I'm hearing strange noise actually through your Sorry, I, just, <laughs> I don't know she what that did. is. Did you just, just like drop something in the I was just doing some sort of vaguely actor like uh you know mouth stretching exercises before oh, I started. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I and I, I thought I was the professional podcaster here, but uh, I'm good to, wow. I'm good to go now. Okay. When, when when did you ever think you were a professional podcaster? God. I, I, right. <laughs> okay, right. Here we go. Ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, welcome everyone to episode 57 of the Tokyo Jazz Joints podcast. It's good to be back. And James, how are you? I am um, ready to rock and roll on a Friday night here, Philip. I'm, I'm so dedicated that uh, I am delaying a very important uh, TV program that just came in. The, ne- the latest episode of Isaac Asimov's Foundation arrived today on uh, Apple TV season two. But, but I will save that, Philip, because I am, as I always say, a professional when it comes to podcasting. And this is the priority. Yes, indeed. I mean, I thought for one moment, when you said it arrived there today, I thought maybe you were still doing the Netflix where it came through the post box. <laughs> no, I mean, I, mean I, wouldn't, no. I wouldn't be surprised. No, no, no. In, in keeping with the sci-fi theme of uh, a foundation, it's very high tech. It you know, just, just comes up and it says, your new episode has arrived. So, uh, yes, Amazing. But I will say that Amazing. later. Yeah. Um, well, look, it's good to be back as always. Um, and... Uh, I'm excited about this one because um, the last time we did a kind of a series of episodes like this was our epic journey around Kyushu. Now, this one wasn't quite so epic, and I'm going to try not to mix up these numbers because I know I'm going to keep getting them confused. But this is going to be a four-parter about a three-day trip. So it's 9.39. We're on the Tokyo-Osaka Shinkansen. Big day ahead. Eight, nine places, James? How many is it? Eight places today. Eight places today, he says. Plus some economy. Plus some economy, Aki. Um, and we've got a big box of ibuprofen. Um, a few Genki drinks. It's going to be a big day. Big day. Philip's making friends on the train as usual, taking his shoes off. Yep, and, yep. Uh, using a lot of profanity. In my defense, I have two pairs of socks on. And uh, the only ones you brought on the trip. I'm using swear words that no one else will understand, unless they're born and raised in Belfast. So I think we're good. Okay, so we're gonna split this up into four parts because there is a lot to talk about, and we mm. did uh, we did have a lot of different uh, encounters, and it felt like in those three days we sort of we packed in a lot of stuff, and almost felt like we were in quite different places at times, even though we were basically. Based in Osaka, um, and uh, we kind of went out from there to to various places in and around the city. So, um, 
that area we is it what was that area we stayed in initially when in the hotel i never remember that is it not it wasn't nambu no 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 we were staying in um umeda which is you know one of the big umeda, one, umeda. one of the big yeah, train yeah, exactly. stations but i mean osaka is um you know again i think a lot of our listeners uh who have been to japan will probably know this but you know osaka is massive and sprawling it's um but it's only one part of what we call the kansai region western japan you know if kanto is tokyo kawasaki yokohama kansai is Osaka, Kobe, Nara, Kyoto. Uh, so it's a completely different vibe. And um, I mean, we did talk about it, but it's more than three and a half years ago, Philip, if you can believe that. The last time we actually talked about any Kansai uh, jazz spots, except for our little elegy for Bird on the last episode. Um, so, you know, I think it's going to be fun to, as you mentioned, you know, to, to dive into the joints, but also to um, hit some of our Kansai impressions. And and they were very deep ones, <laughs> if, I, if I remember correctly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... Just to kick off, to set the tone, I'm looking at a photo just on my phone there, which was um, uh, one of the Japan's ubiquitous vending machines um, that was quite close to where we stayed in the hotel. Um, And I remember a very enthusiastic young woman handing out flyers with a baseball cap on trying to get people to come and buy stuff from the vending machine. Now, um, it looks initially quite innocuous, but when you actually zoom in, you realize it's selling only edible insects which I know would be right up your street, obviously, as a, as a gourmet and uh, <laughs> self-confessed, you know, adventurous eater. You've actually got crickets there. You've got um, a mole cricket. Didn't know that was a thing. Um, and a various range, a thousand yen each for one of those insects. You pop in your money. Oh, there's also, sorry, I missed out the crispy sago worm, which is probably what you would have gone for had you... Uh... Had you had you had the opportunity, right? Well, you know, Philip, on, on reflection, because at the time, I think, um, yeah, regular listeners can easily imagine my reaction. Um, but I I have down in my notes here, and I, and I actually remember, I think, saying to you at the time that the, the, the young woman was was not Japanese. She was speaking to us in Japanese, but she, from her yeah. accent, she was clearly from China. And it, it brought back this memory, um, which I'll just go very quickly, and since this is in Tokyo Jazz Joint, so not James's travel time stories, but uh, when I did the food walk to tour in Beijing uh, with, a, with a guide who's actually from Singapore who was there and he did these nighttime walks and, and he showed us all of those, you know, famous stalls with the crickets and the grasshoppers and this, that and the other. And then at the end of it dropped the big reveal. He was like, you do realize this is only for tourists, right? No Chinese people actually eat this stuff. It's just a challenge to see who's stupid enough to try and eat it. And it was like, boom, mind blown, you know? Oh, wow. So all of all, all the idiots that you saw there, you know, trying to make their way through raw grasshopper uh, were just being taken advantage of. So I, I imagine that this young woman there in Osaka was doing the same thing. She saw us. She pegged us for tourists. And she's like, right, okay, I'm going to get this challenge. And I think she was filming it as well, right? It was some sort of live stream. Or I, I imagine she would it felt on like, YouTube. Yeah, right? that's actually... Yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten about that. I mean, I'm still just reeling from you going on a food walk. I mean, it's like a sort of a chocolate teapot situation, I would say, in terms of like, what a waste of money. Um, I mean, why? How did you even get to that point? But anyway, listen, um, th- we're going to start um, with a place actually, which I, so this was the first time we'd been to Osaka together. So we've talked about Osaka joints, but actually we'd never been there um, mm. with each other. We'd been separately and... Um, as you said, we mentioned Bird 56 and 
we did um, get to go to Bird 56 together this time and happily so um, based on, on the more recent news. And we'll, we'll come to that in one of the later episodes. But we had a rough list of places. We had some definite places. We had a few question marks. But I feel like this one was just a name that we had. And it just so happened to be almost next to the hotel that we stayed in. And it was in one of these kind of very familiar 60s, 70s shopping center type buildings that that you get all over Japan, Mm, um, mm. tucked in on the ground floor, quite prominent, quite large as well, and um, very proudly proclaiming the title Jazz on Top with a very snazzy sort of illustration of one high-heeled shoe next to the next to the yeah yeah next to, yeah. Made next you, to the sign right made you wonder if they um their english was better than than maybe we imagined with that that uh, rather suggestive title and uh, good shoe, point but, yeah good point it also um, says act three as well did you notice that on the sign so i don't know if this is like a third iteration of a place or I mean, it, that's it's, just it's one of these possible. random english you mentioned you know when we were doing the list i i had uh, way previously i'd had it on one of my my Kansai Osaka jazz lists, but when I had looked a little further, it seemed that it was more of a club, and it seemed like they had live music That's every, right. yeah, every yeah, day. Yeah. So, so I kind of said, okay, I, I, I dropped that from our list, and I, as you said, it was just a complete coincidence that um, it was literally two minutes from our hotel on the way back to the station. And so not only did we, of course, just want to go and, you know, poke our head through the window, but um, they were just, what time was this? This was, I would say it was about 11.45, right? So they were just getting ready. Well, it's funny you should say that. That's exactly the time. That's exactly the time it was because I'm looking at the sign right now and and it seems like in in the spirit of, you know, um, hitting certain audiences at certain times of the day, they actually open for lunch at 11.45 and close again at two o'clock. So it probably does reopen in the evening, but we happened to be passing or or arriving just as it was opening. So we went in, we were the only customers in there at the start, right? I think if we were a few minutes early, actually, if anything. Yeah, that, that, well, (laughs) yeah. So, I mean, that alone would be enough to cause some consternation among the, uh, the staff, but uh, a very, (laughs) you know, to, to, again, the usual grizzled, tall, random foreigners walking in before they're open. Um, but the the young lady was very kind. She sat us down and kind of picked up right away. This was a family joint. Um, it was a daughter. It was the mother. I think it could have been the dad in the kitchen. He poked his head out just once. It looked like he was back there doing the noodles and the curry rice cooking up for lunch. Um, but Philip, what was, your, what was your first impression of this place? Because to me, when we walked in, I, it didn't feel at all like a jazz spot, like at all. You know, it felt like one of, you mentioned the 60s type building it was in. It, it reminded me of just your your very average Japanese shokudo, which is, I guess, like the, the equivalent of like a Japanese neighborhood diner where people just go to eat lunch. But slowly, Absolutely, yeah. slowly you look around and you start to see some things like, wait a second, is that a, actually a piano tucked in the corner? And mm-hmm. oh, wait, behind that plant, there's like a, a, a framed photograph of an Oscar Peterson album. So slowly the jazz bits started coming out. Yeah, I mean, I would say you could sum it up in in three words, um, at least our experience of it. Pensioners, lunch spot, I would say, are the three words. (laughs) I mean, they were setting all the tables. So when we came in, all the tables were set um, and they were getting it ready for the lunch service. And it was very much, you know, again, if you've been to Japan and, and you're familiar with these places, you know, there's set couple of four or five set menu items you get 
rice, you get miso soup, you get all the sort of accoutrements with your meal. And it sort of threw them slightly, I think, that we were coming in just for a coffee and uh, a look around because I think once the other customers started to come in, it was definitely, we were definitely lowering the average age considerably, I would say, once they started to, to come in. <laughs> that, that's, right? and that's that's not unusual. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, based well. on, based on once I started to look around and look at some of the, 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 the schedule for some of the gigs that were uh, upcoming... I would imagine that the nighttime audience as well would, would be in that higher age demographic. A lot of vocalists, um, a lot of local veteran type vocalists, um, you know, just the kind of place that, that probably is not on the broader radar of like, not going to pop up in, in the, you know, um, for example, like Way Out West or some of the other Japanese jazz magazines and, and Definitely not. websites, you know, that focus on gigs around the region. This is the kind of place that is like really, really really local. So local, in fact, that the singer um, that had just done a birthday gig there the week before, I don't know if you caught that, Philip, you might have been already going around taking pictures or, you know, drinking your coffee while I was chatting. But the, um, the, the birthday gig was actually the owner's other daughter, who is a singer. So she performed there to like celebrate uh, okay. her, her 30th birthday. So, you know, again, a very sort of local family vibe, um, but really friendly. I think after after they got over the surprise of us, um, you know, they actually came to talk a little bit. We explained a little bit about what we were doing. And then, Philip, I'm going to leave this to you because, you, you know, you do have that storytelling gene in you. Um, what happened when... The mom came back to talk to us after we already had ordered our coffee and had been in the place for about 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah, I mean, I wish we had a video clip of this because you could subtitle it up and it was just, it sort of, it summed up in so many ways that, uh, that experience that you have time and time and time again as a foreigner living in Japan. And it does not matter how many years you live there. It does not matter how many complicated, you know, Meiji era kanji you can read every single time. <laughs> something like this happens, you're just reminded of your, you know, place in the bigger picture in Japan. And, and basically we were chatting, uh, I think just asking a little bit about... Um, the the place and the history of the place and how long it had been open and so on and the old woman who who brought us the coffee had come over to chat and we'd asked her these questions and and been having this conversation and then as she went to tell us something she just said without even missing a beat um in japanese uh, oh yeah, but you guys don't speak Japanese and just at that point when she said that the daughter just kind of emerged over her shoulder and I will never forget the expression on the daughter's face because she was so embarrassed and so confused by what her mom had said and we just caught her jumping and she immediately jumped in from the background and said um what are you talking about like they're they're literally speaking Japanese to you right now and the, and the grandmother once again like without missing a beat the mother just went Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, of course you are. Yeah, sorry. And then the conversation just carried on. But and, I, all and I was, could think about was, was so his daughter's great. face. 
it was so great. And, and she also, I mean, you know, we're in Osaka and, you know, they, they do have a very distinct local dialect. And so she, yeah, her dropping in Osaka Ben, like, mom, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> it was just so, so funny. And it was the kind of thing that, that, I mean, I think you could just, you know, again, you said it applies to so many people in Japan, but it's also one of those great universal moments that everybody has had with their old mom or grandma or grandfather, where you're just like, are you are you actually paying attention here, or are you having a senior moment? You know. That's gonna be different, but but she's gonna probably be like, "Ain't got your man on me." She's gonna wanna go, even if she doesn't think. Yeah, I can totally understand that. Ah, this is This you know you can swan about and you're like oh i speak japanese and i can do this and that and the other and then i think every so often you're just the legs are just cut completely from under you because you're just reminded that you know at the end of the day someone sees you they think oh no foreigner can't speak japanese what am i going to do the panic the panic button gets hit and it doesn't really matter what you're saying or what you're doing it's just that's that's the kind of the default still and you know it was just so it was so comical. I'll never forget the daughter's face. She just, she just like looked so perplexed and sort of shrugged her shoulders <laughs> and then said like, said what she said. And it was just one of those moments. And I happily managed to capture it, uh, on, um, on a voice memo as well. So, um, any of the, any of the listeners who speak Japanese, I'm sure they'll be able to appreciate that. And I'm, I'm pretty sure if you're living in Japan, you've had this experience at least once, if not multiple times, but um, it was um, all very lighthearted and just a really nice spot to start the day. But we were kind of like itching to get going, right? So yeah, yeah this place this was, was this was a yeah this was an unexpected stop, and uh, yeah. you know it was it was really it was really good. We could use the coffee after the early morning uh, wake up call, but but no, definitely we wanted to you know uh, to to get on the train. And um, you know the good thing about Osaka is it, it, I mean it is a sprawling city in some ways, but the center is smaller than Tokyo, so we were able to move around pretty quickly and and get to our next joint which was i think very unusual actually philip i don't think we visited a a jazz spot in exactly this kind of location i mean it was it was very much downtown between two large office buildings um i'm trying to think if you and i've been to a place like that in tokyo and I can't, I can't really, you know, it'd be like, it'd be like going into, like finding a jazz bar on, on a street in Marunouchi or Otemachi in Tokyo. You know, it sort mean? of reminded me a little areas. bit of, yeah, like somewhere. Uh, the closest I can think of is is um, is Step. You know, that sort of area where there's not a lot going on, and it's mm. not 
probably, you know, like it, I'm just looking at the pictures here. It, it, like there's a coin laundry and then there's kind of just what looks like office buildings. And like you say, now obviously step is a lot bigger, a lot more atmospheric. And I think it was, it's down the stairs as well. This was on street level, but it, it, it was essentially an apartment. It, it reminded me of the kind of apartment that a lot of us lived in when we first moved to Japan, right? Like it was just the most functional, basic like oblong box door off to the left for a toilet, little bit of a unit kitchen. And you know, that kind of one room Tokyo apartment, like that's to oh, me yeah. what it felt very much like, y- right? Yes. Yes. And, but, but I mean, you know, it, it's, it's incredible because you know, you know how I love my great signs, right? So he does have this really wonderful sign outside that says Bud House on it. But when you walk in, it is, I would say it's in one of the smallest places we've been to. I've got down in yeah. the notes, um, five to six seats on an L-shaped counter, but yeah. that th- three of the seats had stuff just piled up on them. So it <laughs> yes. really, really could yes. only seat about four people. I didn't, it didn't look like he was like cleaning. You know what I mean? You're cleaning sometimes, you stack some stuff up. It's That stuff was there. You know what I mean? Like piled up on the seats. So I don't, I don't know how he would get more than four people in there. And there were records everywhere. There were records, uh, you know, up on a big uh, cabinet. They were behind yeah. you along the wall while you were while you were sitting, so you could really barely move between this the counter and and the wall behind you. Um, and then he had these gigantic JBL speakers up on the shelf. And Philip, I don't know if you remember this. He was playing the music loud. I mean, like loud, yeah. loud. And this was at what time? This is the middle of the day. This is like coffee time. So usually the owners, they, they might, you know, knock it down just a tad bit. But this dude, I got the feeling when we walked in and, and the way I saw him just sitting there with his eyes closed smoking, one of those classic jazz Buddha poses. I was like, this guy doesn't give a shit about customers coming in here or not. He's going to be doing this. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's going to play the music. Oh, yeah. He's going to play it as oh, loud yeah, as yeah. he wants. But once he came to talk to us, um, he was amazingly friendly. I thought he might be a little standoffish, but he was actually really helpful talking to us about other joints in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, places that were a little more distant. I think um, I think you might have shown him the map of you know some of our itinerary. And um, yeah, he was just a real star. Udatani-san was his name. Um, he's not been there that many years. Uh, he opened in 2016. And, and I didn't get his full backstory, but I got the feeling that uh, that he's one of these guys who basically had enough in, in the working world and decided to just pack it in and open up his tiny little cafe. And so that amazingly found this tiny space. And um, there was one other, Philip, do you remember like the, probably the coolest thing that he had in, in the shop? Yeah, yeah, I think I know what you're going to say. Um, are you talking about the toaster oven? I'm not talking about the toaster oven. You're always focused the on microwave the microwave on top of the fridge. No, I did, did, did not even notice the microwave. <laughs> fridge no i'm talking about back by where the records were he had the sunny clock album cool strutton a very famous blue note record which has a, a shot of a woman's heels and her her skirt walking down the street but he's got two copies and one is facing the opposite direction so he he has a, again i looked this up online this is alleged so anybody out there who's more of a, a collector than than uh, you or i are may know this 
uh, to be true or not. But apparently that was one of those sort of like flipped photo covers that there were only about 20 or 30 of in, in the entire world. And he has one of them. So he has both albums up on the shelf facing each other, where one where she's walking to the left, the one where she's walking to the right. I think everybody's going to know that album cover. It's one of the most famous ones in jazz history. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but I remember being, you know, because I'd never seen that before. And I was like, oh, okay, that's uh, that's pretty cool. That was all I thought. I was like, that's pretty cool. But when I went back and did the research online, I found a whole Japanese blog, a really long blog article uh, by a Japanese collector about how rare the album is. So um, I was just thinking, wow, that that was uh, that was definitely the memento I would have wanted to take from, from Bud House. Just a, a lovely spot. I mean, when you say the memento you would have wanted to take, that does suggest slightly that you've been taking mementos all this time am i is this it's not no. it's not a confession live on no, air no, no, is it? it's not a no it's not a confession you forget okay. we we did an entire episode based on mementos that we would want to take ah, if we could right. okay. take yeah. them from some of the places we visited so no i've never I've, I've i've received presents from the owners but i've never actually stolen anything from jazz kisa that would be be highly inappropriate given the nature of our project yeah, I mean, it felt. It feels like, uh, yeah, I think for me, he was. He seemed like a real loner, one of those kind of guys. Like he was just happy doing his thing. He, he. I also remember very distinctly. He was wearing these white gloves that you often see taxi drivers wearing. Um, I think it wasn't a hygiene thing. I think he, he seemed he had quite dry skin. I think he obviously struggled maybe with something like eczema, you know, and it was kind of to to his obviously his hands maybe were quite painful. So he was wearing these gloves. And smoking, like chain smoking, and you, I think, maybe were just dabbling again in the world of tobacco. So it, it was definitely one of the more intense places on this trip, for sure. Because like you say, it was, you know, maybe, I don't know, eight meters by three meters, this room. Like it was very, very small. And he was definitely not maximizing the space as he could. So you had these three or four seats at the end. There were a few boxes of records in and around the door. And then at the end, past all the stuff that was piled up on the chairs, there was this full kitchen with the the the, um, the fridge and then the microwave stacked on top and then the toaster oven stacked on top of that, like that musicians <laughs> of Bremen where all the animals stand on top of each other. And... Um, yeah, he would, but he was absolutely. He was delighted uh, to chat. He was so helpful. We we threw all these names at him in terms of places that we were sort of looking for. We we couldn't quite get any information, and probably we had to make some difficult choices in terms of the time that we had. You know, was it worth going out of our way to try and check a few places? And and from that point of view, he was he was very very helpful. And um, another thing that I noticed actually, I was doing a bit of forensics while I was waiting uh, for you this morning because you obviously you were threatening to be six minutes late. And um, I don't know if you remember, we chatted about the poster at the back as well, just behind the fridge. Now this this is an image which. Um, I remember it's actually a, it's a, it's a poster of, it's a photograph, a poster of a photograph of Johnny Hodges in Stockholm in a restaurant. And I always remember this poster because, uh, when we went to Marshmallow in Yokohama way back when I photographed it sort of through like the blur of, of some of these, um, kind of Japanese, you know, the celebratory, uh, orchids that you sometimes give for, for presents and, and like celebrations mm. and things like that. And there's just this little picture of Johnny Hodges face poking through there, but he had this poster up and actually when you zoom in on the photograph that I took with the camera, um, it's by a Swedish photographer who I think was fundamentally a, a stills photographer for movies called Ove Alström. And 
when you then zoom in on the poster, it's actually signed by Ove Ulström. So, so at some point, either he's got this poster from somewhere, I don't know where, maybe in Sweden, or somehow he's had contact with Ove Ulström, who's signed this poster for him. And what's really interesting is the poster is signed 1988. And when I went online to look up Ove Ulström's biography, he actually died in December of 1988. So... It seems like he signed that photograph that he took of Johnny Hodges back in 1960s in a restaurant in Stockholm for this owner of Bud House, or he's procured it from somewhere. But either way, it's signed by the photographer who took the photograph in the year that he died, which I just thought was um, one of those things that you maybe don't notice when we're in this kind of blur of going to different places and in and out of different jazz kisa. But I'm so glad that I managed to capture that on the photograph because, like, again, just one of these amazing little sort of Easter eggs that you find in so many of these places that just have these links to jazz history and jazz memorabilia. That's brilliant. Yeah, because I I remember, um, you know, the poster. I, I th- that story. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that you kept that <laughs> for today because that's amazing. But it it just makes you wonder, like, yeah, did he know the guy? Was he involved in the jazz scene? You would assume the guy had been in Japan at some point doing shows or whatever, or was it just one of those kind of you know signed things that you seem to to that just pop up in all of the kisaten that we visit, you know, and occasionally it's the owner himself or herself that got it directly, but sometimes it was a customer who gave it, or sometimes they just inherited it, you know. But um, well, the good thing is uh, Udatani san at Butt House, um, despite our initial impression of, of seeming kind of like a loner, um, very much online. He's a big Twitter user, so um, amazing. You know, obviously he tweets in Japanese, but you can see he tweets a lot of album covers and gives a lot of interesting commentary on it. So, so try to check him out on on Twitter. And um, yeah, I I was really happy because I, again, Butthouse was a place that I knew nothing about. Um, only had got the name and from one of one of my Kansai jazz contacts who was just like, oh yeah, small joint. I think you I think it's the kind of place you and Philip would like. And it was kind of like, okay, that's enough of a recommendation. You know, we've been doing this long enough, so people tend to know the kind of places we we, you know, gravitate to. And that certainly was correct. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we both really liked it. So um but house, you know, he again, played a lot of um good. Yeah, well he played a lot of he played a lot of um quite new stuff as well on on um on CD as well, right? Because um, I've got in here. He played. Uh, is is it Jao Baradas? He played yes, an album. I have that. I have that in the notes too, and I still haven't looked up the album. So I'm gonna have to get the yeah Jao Baradas yeah. from Brazil. An album called Home. That was that was fantastic. And um, yeah, he did. He did seem to have a, a lot of contemporary. CDs, mm, which is mm, not always something that that we see, especially when you walk in and you see like like you mentioned, like you know the Johnny Hodges or the Sonny Clark. You're like, oh, okay, this is standard jazz kisa inventory here, you know. Um, but but he certainly had a, a pretty substantial collection of more more contemporary releases, which I, 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 that's always something that appeals to me. So, um, and I guess that also ties into him, you know. On Twitter, he does a lot of contact, I think, with like the gigs that are going around town. So it seems like he is promoting like, you know, maybe the jazz scene and not just the old jazz kisa scene, if, if you get what I mean. 
Yeah, he doesn't. And I think we asked him, you know, without prying too much, we asked him about, you know, where he lived. I think he he, he doesn't live there, but he, he did. I've got an, a note here that he said that he sleeps there when it's busy. So he does seem to have people, a lot of regular customers, I think he said. And, and there's when only five busy, seats. When it's busy with six people. <laughs> Well, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's all relative, right? But there was that mysterious staircase, which I was trying not to look up the stairs to be too nosy when I was photographing the Sonny Clark album. But I was like, oh, I wonder what's up there as well. But there yeah, was definitely yeah. a space up there where he could sleep because it was essentially like a, a little small um, street street level apartment. Um, mm. I watch a lot of detective shows, so not, not to go to, you know, kind of um, Hercule Poirot at the end, but... It's interesting, actually, because another photograph, just looking at some of the ones that I took with the camera, um, he actually has up an album framed, which was Swedish Snaps by Charlie Parker and a picture of Stockholm. So I wonder if there is like a Swedish connection. Perhaps he went there, he traveled there. Maybe there's some connection like with Stockholm and Sweden, which would certainly make sense, you know, uh, how he would have met um, Ove Ahlström or something like So it may well have been Sweden. I'm absolutely gutted that we didn't notice it at the time and get a chance to ask him about it, actually, because, you know, again, I'm sure he would have had some incredible story like we've we've heard from so many owners, but they're not necessarily always like, um, you know, coming forward with that information themselves or, or certainly not boasting about it and stuff like that, you know. Well, on my upcoming uh, upcoming Consite trip, I will make all efforts to stop by there and and solve this mystery yeah. for you, Philip. So, I'll make sure. The other great thing about this place was, um, I bought some records, of course, and that's the first time that that's ever happened in any of the places we've been. Like, I I don't remember if I've even ever seen any for sale, but he had some boxes. So while you were chatting and I was sort of snapping photographs, I was also flicking through, always a multitasker. I was flicking through some boxes of records and I bought like a really nice Wayne Shorter album. I bought um, the Bill, Bill Evans, um, uh, Jim, uh, is it Bill Evans, Jim Hall undercurrent album. I bought like three or four records and they were only like a thousand yen. So I was like, this is, this was also long before I had vowed to buy any records because I didn't want to have to carry them about for four days. But, uh, well, I, um, I, I very strongly remember that, uh, you know, I can only, only buy about three or four because I really can't carry anything, and that obviously passed by the second place we went to, which was also it's selling. Like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so that was that was Bud House, which I feel like it wasn't a, a bo- n- n- I mean, it sounds disrespectful to him. It, it wasn't a bonus in that sense, but I think it wasn't maybe one of the places that we had necessarily had on the radar. It was kind of an exploratory. Let's see, you know, we're passing by. Let's just check it out. But again you know, uh, evidence that like it is always worth checking out these places like on a hunch because, mm. I mean, it was just incredible, right? In, in its own way, just amazing little spot, some really nice stories, lovely owner. Um, mm. And yeah, I mean, I got to passively smoke about 10 cigarettes as well. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> what's not to like, right? Next place uh, was definitely one that was heavily starred on my list for years because TripAdvisor, TripAdvisor. I had been hearing, (laughs) I'd been hearing about 
the the jazz keys said, "Dear Lord," I would say for at least six or seven years, maybe. Um, and it, the name alone was enough to really, you know, intrigue me. Um, "Dear Lord" is, of course, a, a great John Coltrane track. And you know, Philip, we've talked many times that there are certain jazz musicians. Jazz is you know, beloved by so many people in Japan, but there are a few, handful of few musicians who sort of transcend that into almost godlike status. Bill Evans is one, Miles is one, um, Monk, and definitely John Coltrane. And so I I was really curious, you know, again, this was one that I hadn't really seen many pictures of. Um, of several people had told me, oh, don't worry, you're going to love it. Uh, because of the name, though, and because of the track name, I was wondering if it was going to be really free jazz heavy because uh, Dear Lord is, despite the, the you know, um, how would you say, pious title is, comes from a rather cacophonous album. Um, but, you know, the first thing before we even get into the music or the lovely owner is, Philip, what was this building that Dear Lord is in? I mean, again, another, th- this is a common thing we're going we're gonna to explain in Osaka. Uh, one of the big differences, I think, between Osaka and Tokyo Jazz Joints is w- what exactly was the building that this was in? Yeah, it was, this was a weird one because, like we, it was a brand, it was essentially a brand new building. There was a lot of development work going on around it. So you, you know, already you arrive and you're like, it can't be here. And then you, you're not left in any doubt that it's definitely there because one of, one of the things that stood out to me was just how many signs there were for this place. So I'm looking at the photographs that I have and I can count at least seven different signs. It's like somebody went mad with a label maker one day because it's on the post box. It's on the building uh, digest. It's on, there's an actual sign. There's a sign that goes outside. There's a sign inside the window. Then there's a sign when you get up to the fourth floor as well. So there was no, there was no, there's no elevator in this building. Right. And we got there about, uh, let me see. I'm just going to check. So when I photographed it, it was 1228, right? And I think we had it down for 1230. So we got there just before it opened and we walked up to the fourth floor and it was definitely not open, right? The door was closed. And oh, yeah. Time... yeah. And, and, and you, you know. No, sorry. It was one o'clock. Up, it was one o'clock. Like, this was this was the kind of building. It's four stories, so Dear Lord is at the top, but but it is just so narrow. It's just one. Yeah, it's not like one of these Japanese buildings with hallways, which has tons of bars going off in every different direction. This no, is no, just no, a no. Narrow, narrow, one room, basically four story building, and we just go all the way to the top. I think it was like a ballet school or tap school, like on the third floor. So we climbed all the way up there. We're on the landing, and no, it's not open yet. Yeah, because it was meant to open at one, right? That's so. So we must have got there a little bit. We were a bit keen. We got there quite early, and we were stood. And I remember saying to you, "There's no way this place is opening now because, like, in you know, famously in Japan, generally speaking, and particularly this place, it all looked very nice and well signposted, etc." Is like this place is definitely not opening, like either today or certainly not at one o'clock. And then, I mean. You couldn't write it because about 12.58 or 59, we could hear this puffing noise combined with like shopping bags. And sure enough, at like 12.59, this woman appeared, this older woman appeared at the top of the stairs with these shopping bags. And she was like horrified. She was like, I'm so sorry. I'm not open yet. I'm really, really sorry. And she like opened the door and like ushered us in. And uh, we went in and this building, like you say, it's 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 essentially like it's like a rectangular box, right? So when you're sitting in the middle of 
this floor, which and and the the apartment or the shop takes up the whole floor. On three, three of the four, uh, on two of the sides, you have just windows all along, right? So you're at the top of this apartment building, and on either side, it's just windows, and you can see like out across Osaka, a load of other tower, tower blocks, a lot of building, a lot of construction, and then at one end, James, there's just that beautiful, um, there's the beautiful window that had the the um, canvas screen pulled down just to mute the light, and then mm. a really tidy looking speaker set up. And a chair just plonked right in front I mean, of those two speakers. Yeah, right? it's 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 got it's got yeah it's got about three chairs right next to the speakers facing them. Then a couple of two seaters behind that. I think I was sitting in one by the window. Um, but you're right. This this kind of like unbelievable U shape. And uh, uh, Philip, listen, man, we both traveled a lot. Are, do any other countries construct buildings in this shape? I just, I just don't understand it. It's so narrow. I, I don't even think it was twelve to thirteen feet wide. And you know, the the I, I just called up my photo that I took. I remember, yeah, the first floor is is a is a <laughs> is a basashi restaurant, which is uh, horse meat. Um, the second floor is a, is a sort of a, a rehabilitation therapy place. The third floor is a piano school. It wasn't a tap school. And then the fourth floor, dear lord. So everything you climbers. need really in one building. Well, you never have to go exactly, but but yeah, when you walk in and and with that sort of view on each side with the windows, I've never really had that spatial experience before in a Kisaten. Obviously, as we documented, so many of them are cramped, dark. Maybe the windows are heavily curtained if there are any windows, but this was actually very very bright. Uh, so it did mm. give a really different kind of feel. But um, but you know, but as you said, she was you know she was very apologetic because uh, she you know oh I'm so sorry it was two minutes late. Oh, that's not a problem at all. And um, okay, let's just get this out of the way, Philip. First, okay, pizza you, toast. You, you had to go and order the curry rice. Like you, you, you couldn't just order a cup of coffee. You had to go make her whip up a gigantic dish of curry rice for you. The poor lady just got there. She's very frazzled. She's got the two foreign people asking questions, taking pictures, and you got to go ahead and order the curry rice. Like, yeah, but wait a minute, wait a minute. Out, didn't, didn't I think? The pizza toast that you ordered took longer, though, didn't? Wasn't there some issue with the pizza toast? Like, she was like, oh, it's going to take a little bit of time to make or something. And I was thinking, yeah, if you just ordered the curry rice, you could have just banged it in the microwave. It was out in two minutes. You're the one who caused all the fuss with the pizza toast, all wrapped up in your bloody tin foil. (laughs) Your tin foil came out in your... <laughs> I just, just my pizza toast is not ruining the atmosphere of this absolutely stunning jazz kisa with that noxious smell of like day old or probably more old. It wasn't a day rice. old. It was in some packet. It probably lasts to like twenty twenty nine. But while we okay, while while we while we cut on each other for our our food orders, do you remember what happened then when the old guy came in? So the old guy comes in. Obviously a regular, he gives her just a very casual greeting. He sits down at one chair, a record comes on, and then he sort of kind of like fidgets and he's like, well, it's not quite right. And he gets up, he goes all the way yep. to the front center speaker, oh, just yeah. sits sits in the recliner, puts his head back and closes his eyes and, and just zones out for, for the entire record. I was just watching him thinking like, oh man, that's just, 
great retirement life goals. If you can come up to a place like Dear Lord, you know, and uh, start, oh, hey, how you doing? Grab your coffee and just spend the afternoon there. So uh, an absolute... Um, uh, an absolute classic jazz Kisa customer experience with, with that guy. So, you know, totally, we sat yeah, behind yeah. him. And she was, she did play, I think she played one Coltrane album, but um, I didn't grab the notes. What else she was playing? Do you, do you remember? No, I don't remember because, and I, I, what I did notice though, obviously, is that she, she was using only CDs. So this is one of these places that were forever oh, reason. I found it. Um, I, I found it. Uh, well, she did have a turntable there, but I guess maybe when she came in, it was just easier to put on a long yeah. CD. She was play, She did play some Coltrane. And then she played, yes, it was Avishai Cohen um, because it was one of his more recent releases. So yeah, okay. another place that was that was playing some contemporary stuff. So Because it, it definitely jumped out to me after the Coltrane. Um, the next record was, I, was like, I, I knew right away. I was like, okay, that's definitely something a lot newer. And as you said, she, you know, it was a CD. So so I think like as she kind of got the shop open and ready, cleaning up, taking the deliveries and and whatnot, it's probably easier to put on a long um, CD. Oh, Philip, oh, God, I'm completely forgetting everything. Today. I was going to say, I was going to say, it, wasn't, it got even it better. Just it the, got better. It wasn't just the uh, the, the hypnotized, zoned out Jazz Kisa veteran customer who came in while we were in there. Absolutely not, no. Who else, who else came in to visit us while we were there? Well, as if it couldn't get more exciting. In the middle of all this, this uh, lovely owner was flapping about trying to get all these orders because another couple of customers came in as well, older guys. And uh, in the middle of all this, then the gas man turned up to read the meter, which comically was out on the balcony, which was behind the lovely brown canvas screen behind the speakers. So in the middle of all this, with this music playing really loudly, she had to then go up, lift up this um lift up the screen, open the balcony door. And the at one point, the gas man was out on the balcony reading the meter uh, as, a, as all this was going on. And then he just, you know, very sort of calmly came back in, was like, thanks a lot, and, and headed off again. <laughs> and normal service resumed. So, like, it's definitely a first for us in terms of... Um, in terms of jazz Kisa experiences, but like it was just one of those joints. I mean, I think again, I, I, it wasn't somewhere that I necessarily had on my radar. It wasn't what I was expecting. And also again, she had this big box of records that she said belonged to a, a really old mm. customer in his late eighties. He'd sold them to the, or he'd given them to the shop to sell. And again, I picked up like there's a, an old Ornette Coleman uh, record. There's an old Kenny Burrell. There's an old um, Elvin Jones. And they were she was selling them for 800 yen each and they were in absolutely like immaculate condition as well. So mm. again, the same experience twice in one day, which I'd never had anywhere in Tokyo. Um, but um, yeah, just a nice little bonus to that whole trip, not least oh, as yeah. well because... And, and you know, she she's definitely uh, another Jazz Kisa veteran because um, the little bit when I did talk with her and once I kind of explained who we were and what we were doing and then she was like, Oh, I just saw you guys on Twitter. You were at Masako the other night. That's right. That's about, right. Okay. And I was like, oh, are we, that's right. We're connected. But I didn't know that. Yeah. And she was like, oh, I, I, I was in Masako just uh, uh, two weeks ago because I was visiting my daughter who lives in That's Tokyo. right. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we got on the whole thing of places we knew and people we knew in common. And, and she explained that, you know, when she was, um, uh, uh, when she was a lot younger, she used to uh, live in Kyoto for a while. 
while. And so she would wander all of the, the old jazz kisa that were scattered around the Kyoto region. Unfortunately, a lot of those are now closed. Um, but uh, she had said that, you know, when once she knew that once she would have the chance, she wanted to open her own place. And, uh, and it's funny because, yeah, I did make a mistake. I thought Dear Lord was a lot newer, uh, but it's actually opened in 2011. So, you know, it's already 12 years. It's, it's not it's not that new. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I was uh, I was so happy we got the chance to go. I was happy to talk with her and find out we had the connection. And then um, she did an absolutely wonderfully kind thing and gave us, um, well, I, I guess for me, Philip, I don't know if you had these in, in Ireland in the 1980s, but when I was growing up, the coolest thing you could have uh, in class was a pen that had four different colored inks on it. And you just slide down the little slider to use your black oh, or, yeah. or blue I know or the green ones. pen. You know those ones? So she oh, yeah. she she gave us, remember we talked about how, you know, the jazz keys in the old days, they didn't used to print business cards all the time. Uh, they call meishi in Japanese. They would, they would make matchbooks because pretty much everybody was smoking. So the matchbooks acted as the business card with the phone number and the address. Well, she gave us this, this four color ballpoint pen. It says jazz kiss a dear Lord. And it has her mobile phone number on it so um i'm holding that and taking notes with it as we record and uh, very nice very interactive wonderful wonderful little omiyage uh from uh from dear lord and um yes yeah, so also was, they I mean, do have but she she does also have the business cards too which again i made sure i got one because um actually one of my favorite culture tracks is is dear lord but i think roy haynes plays on it it's on that i have it on the transition album and i mean it's just i just absolutely adore the track so i couldn't resist telling her that and actually the the meishi the business cards that they have for the shop have a picture of coltrane on it so it's just mm. one of those really nice kind of clean think, I, don't think I, got a, I didn't get a meishi actually. oh dear my, i'll swap it i'll swap you for your pan I've only got the pen, yeah. Well, Philip, you don't remember. I was embarrassed too because I I miss uh, uh, I mistook the album that it was on because dear I I confused dear Lord with Wise One, the track Wise One, which is on Constraints uh, okay. Crescent. But that's because I had already been to the Wise One Jazz Kisa in Sapporo. So I was getting everything mixed up. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's a lot more Coltrane tracks available. We can still open a Kisa and name one after. But yeah, how how great is that, man? The, the wise it's one amazing. Is in, is Sapporo and Dear Lord is in Osaka. It's, I think it's, it's amazing. It's, and also, like, I just think for me, you know, it's probably one of the more surprising places we've been. And, and it's probably partly to do with our prejudices and you're kind of, you know, almost like you just don't expect when we were waiting, we weren't expecting that owner or certainly I wasn't expecting that owner to appear. And then when we got chatting to her, you know, we weren't expecting her to say, oh, when I'm up in Tokyo and I visit my daughter, I sneak off to Jazz Kisa or or for her to be like really <laughs> active on tw on Twitter and, and that kind of thing, you know, and it just really, it, it kind of challenges your perceptions of what some of these places are. And obviously we've talked a lot about how they are, you know, very male spaces and a lot of customers are very male. And that certainly was born out in the time that we were there, including the gas man. But, you know, <laughs> she as an owner is is really like, you know, pioneering, right? You know, it's it's she's doing her own thing. She's plowing her own furrow uh, and doing it very successfully in like what has to be um, one of the most unique uh, places, I think, that we've been, like in all the jazz keys that we've been, it's it's undoubtedly one of the most unique, you know. Oh, uh, definitely. I'm 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 looking at another uh, street shot, Philip, and uh, I forgot this as well. Is that next to the narrow four-story building 
is a just as narrow private house, but this is on a rather commercial street in, in a neighborhood in Osaka. It just it just goes to show you. I mean, Japan is is just it's just a whole other ball game when it comes to city planning. And uh, you know, what the, when you look at this external picture, you're going to see. I think there's like nine or ten different shops in in yeah, the yeah. space that would probably just be one shop allowed in uh, in cities in the states. That's that's for sure. Probably the same in Ireland. But you know, Osaka again, very very crowded. There's a real lack of land. And so, yeah, you're going to get these little narrow buildings that you walk up and you've got, you know, each floor has its own particular thing. But um, yeah, Dear Lord was, I I was so happy that we were able to get there. And um, I still see a lot of people online actually um, going to check it out based on on our recommendation. I think when we got back from the trip and I started putting up a couple photos on Instagram, you know, just to say, hey, we're at it again. And so, uh, you know, people have been, have been going there because it's not, it's not exactly, it's not like Bud House or Jazz on Top, which were very central parts of Osaka, no. we mentioned, whether office or hotel. Yeah. Dear Lord is, I, I guess I would call it a slightly new town residential neighborhood of really Yeah, you need to go, no, you need to be going there, I think. Like it's not a place yeah. that you would generally be passing by, right? Definitely not. Definitely not. And, you know, rather drab, if we're being honest. But um, but sometimes that's where the new places are. We talked about that on our last episode. Like, for example, Slow Boat here in Tokyo, you know, a neighborhood that you really would just pass by without ever getting mm-hmm. off the train. But then somebody tells you, no, 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 you got to go check out this jazz joint there. So so um, we just came out of Dear Lord in Osaka. Uh, thoughts? Well, um, one of the greatest... Uh Contemporary, recently opened Jazz Kisaten, absolutely wonderful, lovely owner. She was so welcoming to us. Um, a curious visit from the gas inspector of Osaka City. <laughs> more, de- up, more details to follow. Climbed up the four flights uh, to, yeah. to come do an inspection, but thankfully it passed, so it's a safe place to visit. It's and safe to visit. Highly recommended. One of my favorites of recent times, for sure. Although I'd say if you, um, if you don't like stairs, there's no, there's, no, there's no elevator, so, you know, guard those loins before you head up. But it's definitely worth it, right? 100% worth it. Um, of course, Philip had to go and order the curry rice. Like, he, had, he just had to do it. It's almost like a compulsion. Well, I was trying to counteract your, your... You went into full, like, nodding, waving cat mode with your politeness. So, you know, it's like, I need to do something, so, something to counteract that. Well, look... Um, on such a positive and high note, quite literally and metaphorically, I think, you know, we should probably wrap up part one there. But I'm so glad to get started on this three days in Kansai series because it was such a variety of places and such a lot of stories to tell. And we'll be back in two weeks time with um, part two of the four parter and um i can't wait to get cracking on some of these other stories because there's a there's a few comedy a few comedy stories coming up in some of the next few places right oh yeah oh yeah some some comedy um some some very deep um some very deep arguments uh yeah oh yeah of course a lot to get into so uh yeah i'm definitely excited for that too philip so all right yeah Well, look, in the meantime, it's been great to talk to you as always. Thank you all for listening and your ongoing support, your lovely feedback on the project, on the book, on the podcast. Keep listening, keep sharing. Uh, If you want to see any of the photos uh, that we're talking about in these episodes, you can get them on the Instagram feed, of course. And if you want to look at photos of other joints and wish that you could go there, tokyojazzjoints.com is the place to go. Um, James, in the meantime, uh, you can get that air conditioner back on. I'll put my cardigan back on 
Uh, oh no and, no no! Uh, I'm gonna go downstairs. I've got I've got my uh, my sci-fi show waiting for me. So of course, Friday yes, night. I forgot. The, DV- the DVD down. has yeah. arrived. I forgot. Like yeah. Casa de okay, Jeff. <laughs> you didn't know that I was a sci-fi geek, did you? No, I did not. It's a whole new. You're just you're like an onion, really. There's so many levels, so many I, layers. I'm rather, like, not I'm levels. like Walt Whitman. I contain multitudes, my friend. Indeed, yes. Right. Listen, talking of multitudes, that's reminding me of your bag. But anyway, listen, we'll we'll talk again in a couple of weeks' time. Until Can't then, wait, take it easy. All right, ciao. See ya. <laughs>